0: And welcome back to the Schooner Pod. This is our first ever State of the O Union. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Jameson and we got the... Uh, wait, where's Ty? Ty, where are you at? Oh, there, there he is. Sauntering <laughs> onto the stages, the Tyler Lee. Uh, oh, he's gone. Now he's back. Okay, <laughs> it's all good. So we're here to talk about uh, the State of... Uh, We'll do something a little different with the OU um, athletic season officially over across the board. We're going to jump in and talk about the state of things uh, with the athletic program, the state of things with the fan base, and just an overall diagnostic of where OU athletics, where OU football is uh, mainly as well um, as we enter the next year. So, um, yeah, this should be an interesting one uh, for sure. Um, So, I I think kind of primarily the thing that started this off uh, and I don't want to be too doom and gloomy, but like what was going on with the college world series? Um, I I know we're not a big baseball school, but OU getting absolutely obliterated in Omaha by Ole Miss fan support uh, was, was that, was a little alarming. Was it alarming to you, Ty?
1: Uh. No, first, that's not how you're supposed to start a state of the O-Union. You're supposed to say if it's good or not. Uh, I will say, Sooner fans, Sooners everywhere, the state of the O-Union is good. Uh, and with that, as, as we roll into our topics, I think, you know, I guess I'm not, I, I wasn't in Omaha, but I'm not as disappointed as, as you are, Bobby, in short, before I hand it off. I think, you know, like I had said with the previous baseball pods or or the previous baseball content we had done. It was sort of a a house money situation. You know, we're not a baseball school where nobody expected us really to be there. And, and anything that we did was a win, even making it to the national championship uh, is a win. If we made it to the national championship uh, with the football team, you know, even if we didn't succeed, especially in a playoff sort of format, a double elimination playoff format, like we did, I think that's a win, so I, I I try to keep it in in perspective and, and not get super upset, especially if it's you know not not saying you guys should or shouldn't, but uh, you know I know it's a sport that I don't necessarily follow that closely uh, at all unless I'm watching it in person. So I I try not to lose too much sleep over that.
0: That's fair, and I I know especially when it comes to performance, I wasn't disappointed by any means. Um, I thought it was a very, very good run for OU baseball. No one expected him that far at all. Um, so, yeah, no, in terms of performance, I wasn't upset at all. But, I mean, it was I, it was like it felt 95-5 and 5 being the OU support. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that's concerning or not for a major college athletics program, a power five program with the stature of OU to be like that. But, uh, Jameson, I want, I want to hear your takes before I dive a little bit deeper.
2: Yeah. uh, One question for you, though, that I'm kind of curious, because for people that don't know um, who are listening right now, Bobby, you were there and you were in the outfield. Did you get any beer showers on you? Was it constant? I was in the upper deck, so I was not in the outfield. I
0: just took a picture uh, on Snapchat, like hanging out in the outfield, but I did not get beer showered on.
2: I, cause I mean, like Ole Miss's culture of doing that. I'm like, that's cool and all. But I was like, what happens, you know, if it's a mixed crowd and there were that 5% OU fan in the middle of that? And you just come out of an absolute depressing two game series right there and you're just drenched in beer each day. That just must be absolutely brutal. And a lot of people, I'm sure, would be very upset. I didn't know if there were any OU fans sprinkled amongst those Ole Miss students who did that.
0: It, w- it was hard to see. Uh, I know a couple people. <clears throat> shout out uh Connor for um, who were out there in the outfield. I, there were some beer showers. I, it didn't look like the degree that you saw on TV when they're at home, mainly because when they're playing at home, those are, you know, beers that they brought. Uh, and here they were $8 NCAA beers. So that could have been part of it, but I don't know. That's Did absolutely I, what I do
1: have. One, one quick point before I let you guys continue to take it down the, the crowd thing. And that's, I think the SEC angle must be mentioned. We're still the outsiders there. And I'm sure that there were a fair bit, uh, not a super significant number, but a non, you know, a, a not not insignificant number of maybe LSU, Texas A&M fans, whatever else, who sort of did the Homer Simpson back into the bush and then came out in Ole Miss gear because they were already in Omaha for, for the tournament. So I, I'm sure there were, Probably close to a few thousand for sure people there, maybe not necessarily in the stadium, but in Omaha that that were probably a, a fan of a different school that said, I'm riding with the SEC here. So
0: I saw a good amount of Longhorns walking around who were just there. And I'm like, y'all, yep, you, you got way too ambitious there, their uh, cow pokes. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, it was wild. And I gotta say, props to the Ole Miss fans. I thought they were super nice. Um, they they were really cool you could tell this meant a lot to them um after they won it you know because the whole week they were like we never nothing ever good happens to us and we're just going to let everything we're just going to blow it and when they had that last out you saw you, there are people like just sobbing like crying about this baseball game and you know hell maybe they they probably did de- those fans probably deserved it a hell of a lot more than we did because I would have been just like, all right, well, that'll go nicely next to a softball one. Let's move on. But you know, um, yeah, we are out outnumbered everywhere for the most part. Everyone was just like, "Do y'all just not care about baseball?" Like, which is the question I got the entire weekend. But um, I don't know. It, it just it just seemed a, lo- a little alarming to see a program like OU get that like overwhelmed.
1: So. I do. I do want to mention real quick because there's nothing that I love more. If you listen to the screen pod, there's nothing that I love more than demeaning other people's accomplishments. Uh, and I really see it as, like you said, it really, really struck home when you mentioned the Ole Miss fans having this nothing good ever happens to us thing, which is completely their own fault. If you look at anything in the history of Ole Miss, athletically or otherwise, they bring it upon themselves, but it is very important there. Obviously, I, I know a little bit about the state of Mississippi. It's very important there. Mississippi State was the defending champions, their their arch rivals. Uh, so that was a super big deal to be able to take away those in-state bragging rights right away. But uh, it, it sort of felt to me in, in retrospect, had we won it, it, it would have been sort of the, the wrong thing to do. It's like to use a baseball analogy – you're in the outfield, and a home run ball is coming up, and it's you, and then a little child right there, and you catch it, you know, and then you start like excessively flexing on the little kid. Uh, right here, what happened is is we just let the little kid that's not good at sports that matter uh, take the win here and to let them feel good.
2: <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Another thing is like here's the deal: Ole Miss was a top ten team coming into the season, and then they had such an, a roller coaster type of year. And like we already kind of said it, these fans care more about baseball because perennially they have more of a shot to succeed in that sport comparative to, you know, football and basketball. Basketball, my goodness, like Ole Miss really struggles in that field. You know, Kentucky just takes them down every single year in the SEC. Um, but in and then football, obviously we know what goes on there. But in baseball, like this is a team that's pretty good most years. And coming in top 10 and then – going to the point where you're almost firing your coach because of how poor you did, get one of the last teams in into the tournament and then ended up being the national champion. Like, of course, this is going to mean a lot more to the fans than it does to OU fans because OU fans have this feeling in other sports, and we already saw it in softball, and we we continuously have it in football, even though some fans may not think it, that we have a chance to succeed. We actually have hope. Um, Whenever a fan base doesn't have hope and then they get that option here, in the college world series, it's going to be a lot more, you know, meaningful to them. And that's why I think they travel better. And I still think even if they were a better football team and basketball team, they probably would have still traveled better just because the baseball team they care more about but that's really what it is. If you have any chance to see a national championship for your team, it's probably going to come from baseball. And when one of the big three sports in football, basketball and baseball, they're not going to have that chance in football and basketball. I can almost guarantee you that for the foreseeable future. While OU had pretty decent chances, you know, with buddy healed and the boys and basketball, and we had pretty good, decent chances with Kyler and Baker. And we can't even, I mean, Ole Miss can't even get close to saying that with either of their programs.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, think about the years where we had Buddy, you know, even some of the years where he had Trey, you know, where he was really good and lining it up. I feel like we struggled to fill the LNC even then.
2: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's true. That's true. But we still, um, you know, I, I feel like, our, like we definitely had a much bigger um, population at that stadium than normally. Like, just this basic year where we had a bunch of transfers. You know, and we're just kind of a ragtag squad. We were really struggling. But during the Trey Young year, you know, we were in college, we were going to those games. Like the student section was filling. You know, the patrons was a little bit harder, but there definitely was a different energy in that stadium, even if it wasn't constantly filling every single time. Because I w- I would like to say that a lot of people were going to those buddy healed games at the end. Do you remember how like you know competitive it was to get into that Kansas game in the Buddy Healed era? But it's Kansas, those are always crazy. <laughs> I know, but still, right. like it's still a different vibe. Yeah,
1: I have a point because it, it, if it's not clear for the listeners or the viewers, uh, what we're we're trying to do is sort of ease this conversation or, or or walk this conversation into a a bigger discussion about the state of OU fandom, which is sort of our main topic here for tonight. So, if you want to continue to hear about that, I'll obviously continue listening. But the the basketball thing, uh, Jamison brought up a good point that I thought was interesting, and and that was in regards to uh, the student attendance at at basketball and then also baseball and and one of the the big key points to tie it back into football because we are you know primarily a a football podcast um, is that argument about uh you know fans and and sort of fan loyalty and that and that sort of internal fighting within OU about fandoms. So I want to preface what I'm about to say with I understand you know times are a little bit less convenient on on weekdays and. And obviously frequency of games is a factor, but I constantly, you know, whenever I can get in that that debate about regardless of how you think the students are acting at the games or what you feel about their attendance or or how long their attendance lasts at football games, I will continue to forever die on the hill that if we're gonna pretend that it's, you know, student athletes and university athletics, and if we're gonna keep that veil up, then it's the students of the university that are, you know, should be above reproach and, and what they're doing as fans. You know, obviously we respect the alumni, we respect the other fans or whatever, but I think the students should be able to do whatever they want. And, and I see a lot of people throughout the year, you know, taking those pictures of the student section going, where are the students? Like, why are the, why aren't we selling these tickets? Which is a silly argument because it's, it's supposed to say like, Oh, if we sold these extra thousand tickets, it would like massively drive down Ticket prices, uh, it wouldn't at all, if anything, because there's demand and wait lists in some cases. They might increase the price of tickets just because they can. But I'd never really see anyone, you know, the student section of basketball games is almost always very, very full. Uh, it it sells out for all of the big games. I can't think the last time I saw the LNC sold out. It must have been that um, Buddy Healed Kansas game uh, our freshman year, which would have been 2015 that was probably the last time that I remember seeing the LNC sold out. Obviously I missed a little bit, but the student section is almost always at capacity or overflowing for big games. And always has, if you just look at a shot of the LNC, the student section for basketball games is always more full than anywhere else. Baseball games. You're lucky if you have a hundred to one ratio of regular people to students, it's almost all students at most of the games, the regular games. And it's just, I, I want to take that time to champion the, the students as we dive into this deeper discussion about the state of OU fandom and say, there's more sports out there than football. And I, I think it's a silly point when people start to argue that maybe the students aren't the best fans when I don't see a whole lot of other fans besides students at tennis, soccer, basketball, both genders, gymnastics is a huge one with students, baseball, you know, all these things that we can continue to, to touch on. In addition to the football games,
0: yeah for sure and you know i i think some of it i think you're totally right with with basketball the students are the best most reliable uh support with basketball and we'll we'll dive into leaving games early later probably at some point but in terms of ou baseball home attendance like you just have to look at it this is this is a athletic department that moved the texas series to a neutral site um and then the rest of their Big 12 series were West Virginia, Baylor, um, and then I think that was actually it. Uh, I think they only had a four home series. Um, just taking a, a little bit of a look at the other like non conference ones they did, they played uh, I believe a non conference tournament in Dallas, uh, moved a series to Dallas because it was too cold. They played UTSA, Air Force, New Orleans, uh, Oral Roberts on a one off, Lamar, Pacific. Wichita State, K State, and that's it. Like I, I just, I feel like the university, and this is going to be kind of helped, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, we're about to get a lot of really good uh, conference competition coming in soon, uh, with the SEC. But I, I think think some of that scheduling, um, and I think you could attribute a lot of fan, I don't, I, I guess the word would be apathy, to. The, the teams coming to Norman, um, in in multiple sports, uh, basketball maybe maybe less so, um, but um, yeah, I I, I think football wise, been a tough go. Um, they try to do their best, but again, like I just don't think the Big Twelve is that strong. And you know, basketball, you, you got the you got a couple random SEC teams thrown in there in the middle of the, like December, but I, I I don't know, Jameson, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think you hit exactly what I was going to talk about in terms of baseball attendance. You either going to come to a game, um, you're okay. First of all, you're coming to a game for your own selfish gain, and there's two way, two avenues that you can go through that. You're either going there to get good entertainment because we're playing good people, you know, good competition. You know, whenever we're playing the Tennessees, you know, Ole Miss again in the SEC in the future, that'll be better competition. Um, but also the other avenue of that is if you yourself is really entertaining the baseball team and therefore people flock to that. But if we aren't winning games consistently and we're a middle of the road team, which we were, have been as of recently. And I understand the COVID year really took out a really good um, season from us. And before the big 12 tournament, we were a middle of the ground team. Um, you know, you can't blame fans in a culture of Oklahoma where we're a primarily everything matters about football and basketball and not many people really like watching baseball to get them to go watch those games if they're not you know, really, really good and performing at a high level and people can hop on that bandwagon or we're playing someone really fun that they want to go watch. You can't blame fans for not wanting to go to that just because they don't have to go to games just because they have to feel loyal to the university. So, whenever it comes down to, this is kind of my state of the union in terms of um, baseball at OU, what I want to talk to with the fans is: whenever we do end up being good and we are entertaining, we saw it this season in the postseason. A lot more fans flock to it because people like to see success and people like those happy stories. But if you were one of those people that liked baseball beforehand, you were, you know, paying attention to OU throughout the season. You went to a lot of the games. And you're with them from the beginning. Don't be that, you know, selfish person's like, oh, you guys weren't with us from the beginning, and now y'all are just coming out from the bushes now. Like, you guys don't really truly understand it or deserve this happiness like I do. No, that is not how it works for lesser beings like sports teams. You need as many people as you can get. And Oklahoma fans, they're we're all a family, and it doesn't matter who you are. It, that's it, just. The more people, the merrier. You don't think that people at football games, the, all everyone in the stadium are diehard people that have been there since day one. No, a lot of those people go to those games because that's just what the culture is at OU. And people buy in and it gets allowed. But at baseball... You know, you can't get there unless you create a good culture and like you are opening up to more fans to come in and have fun to hop on that bandwagon. And if you're going to be, you know, like I said, that you weren't with me since day one, then how are you going to get more of those people to join you? You're not. So don't be that kind of person. We need more play, uh, more fans at games. So don't be an arrogant asshole on Twitter saying you guys don't truly, you know, enjoy it like I do. Come on, I th- that is the grossest thing I saw throughout all of this. You know, we're not getting enough fans at the stadium, but I've been there since day one. So don't hold me accountable. Come on.
0: Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I get that, and I, I think like a lot of the thing things that were frustrating on Twitter is like this is how you have to behave because you haven't been here since day one. And you know, I, that's just something you have to live with. You know, don't come across as like this all knowing, arrogant, like, and yeah, you know more about baseball than like say I do. And I mean, shit. Frankly, the the first two games I saw in person for OU baseball were the College World Series final. But you know what? I showed up and I went there. And that matters. I watched the games, you know, on uh, you know in the postseason. I I think any amount of support is good support. I don't care. It does. It, you don't need to have a resume or anything to be there and support them. You just have to support them. And you know, I, obviously, some. You know, I, I think some of that came from a bit of an annoyance out of. um you know, probably oh, oh, the main thing I saw was in that um, Notre Dame game where we had two guys struck out or like or like thrown out at third, and there was a lot of frustration there on on that. And they're like, "You don't have the right to you know back this team because you haven't been to, to complain about that." Well, just let them complain. That's a part of it. That's a part of success. Complaining's
2: yeah. good because that That's means fine. people care. Don't you want more people to care so therefore you can have more people show up to your games during the season and more people show up to the postseason so therefore we don't have a situation where we're getting trounced 95 to 5 again? Because I guarantee if you're you're saying, oh, you can't go and complain because you don't deserve it, those fans aren't going to want to be a part of this community and go to future games. Well, and not only that, but you just botched a learning or teaching
0: moment for these people. Instead of you know, be like, hey, well, this is kind of what they do. They kind of cause a lot of madness. It's awesome. You have to live with it. They, you don't talk down to them. You're like, hey, look, this is just kind of what they do. And, you know, I, I, you, I know you might be new here, but, you know, that's just kind of this is the way. So I, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of crummy.
1: Yeah. I, I see what you guys are saying. Uh, I, Bobby, I, you've never been to an OU baseball game prior.
0: No, this season. You
1: Oh, this season. Okay. Yeah, oh, I've been to it. I've
0: been to tons on the berm. But... Yeah,
1: I was going to see you, know, yeah. <laughs> you didn't go. Um, but yeah, it, it, gatekeeping within within sports fandoms. Obviously, we're, we're keeping it OU focused here. I, I think you can kind of see that uh, across the board. I didn't see any of that sort of vocal... Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know the term for it, but I guess arguments on, on Twitter about gatekeeping the, the baseball team specifically. But yeah, it just seems sort of um, counterintuitive. I think there is a huge value in sort of rewarding uh, as a team, as an organization, and then even as a fan base, recognizing and, and rewarding those people that have been long-term fans. And, and, you know, I'm sure they would refer to themselves as true fans or, or fans through thick and thin. I, I think those people should be recognized and in some way for sure you know we want to appreciate those people that even when it's not making it on tv not getting good attendance not performing well or whatever they're still out there cheering those are you know the the essence of true fans not to say that anyone else is it, but it's not uh with ou specifically it's it's sort of a weird thing because it's a it's a one brand thing because it's the university you know it's it's in some ways, like uh, a city having different athletic teams, but it's 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 not even that. It's it's completely different, even from a Mavs fan also being a Cowboys fan or a Stars fan, because those are all still three different organizations. at At its core, it's still one University of Oklahoma and one University of Oklahoma Athletics Department that those teams fall under. So it's it's hard to to sort of gatekeep, and and it seems almost to use state of the union terms uh undemocratic, to, to say, you know, we don't want these people. You have to have some sort of gatekeeping. So I do think regardless of what that is, and, you know, just anyone that's listened to this pod for a long time knows that we lovingly, I, I will say, I know I use it lovingly and, and ironically, but the term Gooner for, for certain OU fans that are maybe the squeaky wheel that's a little bit more vocal than most. And maybe doesn't necessarily have a diploma or whatever else from from the university, they're still as true of OU fans as, as anyone else is in my mind. And obviously there's going to be some inherent biases towards uh, different fan groups, like people that give lots of money and and things like that. And I will continue to die on the hill of, of student fandom primacy over all other fandoms, but everyone's, you're still an OU fan and, and you're not, a, there's no such thing as a second class you know, OU fan ultimately is is it's a it's about passion, really. You know, it's it's like Jameson talked about with the baseball games. You're getting something from it. You know, you're not going as a chore. You're not going uh because you're being paid. You're not going for any other reason than you enjoy going, or if you don't enjoy going, at least when you went, you thought you would or you wouldn't have gone. So it's uh you know to some extent an, an entertainment product, but it's it's, it's a passion product, ultimately, across the board for, for all these sports. And, and I think you guys are right when you say that it's, you know, it's, it's inherently wrong to sort of uh, gatekeep it. I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with, you know, being upset with people that you know haven't been fans of that specific sport jumping in and then sort of acting like they've been there the whole time or like they're authorities or something. I think that argument may be listening to this podcast right now going, I can tell they don't really know a lot about baseball, and and they just started caring when we went to the national championship. To some extent, that's true, and uh, I respect that, and I think that's right to some extent. But, yeah, you can't gatekeep fandom. You want more people to be fans because the more people that are fans, the more attendance there is, the more money there is in merchandise sales and, and whatever else, the more NIL deals there are, the more opportunities that you're going to get better players and the more successful the team is going to be. There's never been a a sports team that has decreased or that has lost performance because it has so many fans. If we ignore the existence of the Yankees, the Cowboys, and the University of Texas, uh, there are no examples, or the Lakers now, there are no examples of any sports team that has suffered from having a lot of fans, or I guess Miami uh, yeah, somebody's going to need to start there's talking. I'm going to keep it's listing teams
0: <laughs> that I just, suffer
1: from success.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, the, I think the point you really hit on that I really liked was um, it's different, you know, with university versus, you know, just having a bunch of Dallas teams in the Dallas market. You know, stuff stuff like that, because, you know, for, for people who went to the school specifically, I think there's an emotional tie that can't really be broken that well. so. I think there's automatically just a tie to across the board to all the OU programs. Um, And, you know, frankly, I I, kind of think that as an alumni base, partially, OU and fans, just in general, we need to transition out of being a football school. Because, and not to say that football will never be king. It will always be king. But this athletic program, I think, has a chance to really become something special across the board. Um, it is, it's on the it's on the verge of greatness. And, you know, having what was, you know, we what we all joked about is like our weakest sport uh, going into the SEC almost win the damn thing this year. I, I, I think as a whole, we need to be a little bit better about supporting that. And, you know, I, uh, I, I think like I, I know what Jameson said, you know, we don't owe it to them i agree I, I i with that but i i don't know i i think as a whole like that mindset should shift to where maybe we should start caring a little bit more about other school or other sports and you know try to divert some of those the, the energy and resources because i think these teams deserve it i think they're 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 you know truly
2: enjoyable and fun to watch and good products so yeah, whenever they're putting out good content, we should go and support them, that good content. You know, and whenever they're succeeding, therefore if we go and support them, uh, therefore, hopefully they can carry on that success and keep on putting out good content, but therefore they can turn into something with consistent, you know, uh, you know, representation in the fan base. Just think about it in a podcast situation. You know, people aren't just gonna listen to us just because we're an OU podcast and they feel like they have to, you know. They're only going to want to listen to us if we're putting out good content. They should not listen to us just because they feel like they have to. And if we continue to get better listeners, therefore, the more listeners we get, the better content we'll start to put out, and it compounds on itself. And then that's how big podcasts get made. That's probably not our you know, our future, but that that's how it works. You know, they, the, the content providers have to be the one to start first. And now we've seen it with the OU baseball team. They put out a stellar season, big 12 champions. Let's not forget about that. Yes. Absolute sucks to be runner up. No one cares about that in the future because we didn't win it all. Um, The runner up trophy, those medals, whatever. Don't don't matter. Only people remember national championships, but big 12 championship really means something. And it really does, especially in a really strong baseball conference that we had this year. So I think we need to hold our heads high and be very proud of this team. And, if they continue to do well into next season, which might be tough because we're losing a lot of really good players, maybe, you know, to draft and whatnot. Um, but if they sh- continue to do well and what we saw this year and how fun it was to follow that team, um, whenever you have a good product, um, we can support it. And um, people will realize that the support um, needs to come in higher numbers after what we saw. So it's all about, it's all in OU's baseball's hands right now. Are they going to have another good team next season that can good? Um, provide good entertainment
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um because again like you know it's it it is about that product because even you know we weren't around for it but there was a time where no one showed up to the games of the 90s you know when when we had schnellenberger and gary gibbs and uh, john blake hell you know a couple years ago michigan was giving away free you know tickets that you know for uh, with with a purchase of a coke at a, a McDonald's. So it happens it happens to everyone at some point, even even the bell Cow sports. But I, I think it's about when there is that success that you follow up on it and give you know that program the, the flowers it deserves. And you know I what like what 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 really stuck with me was oh, OU when they made the World Series they sent out a message to all the like an email to all the Sooner Club people being like you can request you know your uh, World Series tickets, if we make it, uh, deadline is Sunday or whatever. Well, then on Monday, they're like, the deadline is now Tuesday. Please do this. So I think when, you know, that success is there and you have to beg people to go to Omaha, which is for a lot of for a lot of people and a lot of fans of college athletics, that's like a, a bucket list type item. Uh, when you have to beg them to do that, I think that's a little frustrating. Um, but, you know.
2: I'll say this though: Omaha is not the most convenient place to travel, Um, and it's during the heat of the summer. You know, Uh, it's and plus we're not that big of a like like airport hub to where the prices on the flights definitely go up, and not a lot of people want to make the six and a half hour drive. So I understand that, and I understand that you know Ole Miss has like similar problems with Mississippi, but you know they have one of the few um, issues that we didn't have is they had a strong fan support coming in because they already had good content beforehand. Like I said, being the number nine or whatever. So, um, team, of the nation in the preseason, they already had fans ready, like geared up. So what I'm trying to say is like, you know, I understand like people should be wanting to go to Omaha more, but for people that have a lot going on in their life, this isn't a quick trip. Um, to go to omaha you have to completely plan your whole week around. and if you have one event in like a span of like four days like with me i couldn't go just because like my anniversary with ashley was on um, monday That completely took me out of the whole world series and the week before was yes and you can't just go for one day in omaha if you're gonna make that trip you got to go and plan for it to be there a long time and that's really hard for a lot of people and especially a lot of oklahoma fans we already talked about it you know um do not have your nine to five job that you can take PTO for. There's a lot of people that work harder jobs than that. Um, so it's very, very difficult. For sure. But those aren't uniquely OU problems. You know, a A&M had a strong support.
0: Notre Dame, Notre Dame doesn't count because they're everywhere. Well, well, <laughs> a
2: and a- in Houston and Dallas, Fort Worth airports I had a lot more flights going to Omaha, direct flights that of, you know, going out of Dallas with American. You know, you would have for American, I, you'd either have to fly through Chicago or DFW to get up to. But um, I mean, Omaha. if we're,
0: we're also talking about Auburn, Ole Miss, you know, like, sure, yeah, you can talk about Dallas or like DFW and, uh, you know, the two, uh, well, really four airports between those two cities. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I just, just a little tricky, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's
2: clearly about. We-
0: it's clearly yeah. about buy-in, and it, we you, definitely,
2: we definitely do not have enough buy-in. That's for sure. I'm just saying if, there are some excuses.
0: If you look at the top ten uh, of college baseball attendances, it's like Ole Miss was three, Texas A&M was five, Texas was somewhere around seven. It's because they have those cultures built up, and mm-hmm. you know, some of that falls on OU for, you know, you have to put out that product as a whole experience. And when the best part of a ball game, going to going to an OU game. Is literally sitting outside of the ballpark. That's something to be said.
1: Well, and I think I think earlier on the podcast, um, actually, real quick, let me let me throw one quick point out there. I think OU, assuming OKC, you know, to borrow a term that economists use, uh, assuming Oklahoma City Metro, uh, flying to Omaha, if you were looking at a, a time analysis and, and then even potentially a and overall cost analysis becomes a very equal proposition with driving because, like we said, six and a half, seven-hour drive, uh, maybe even eight if you're a you know a big I want to take stops it was type person. A a but yeah, but the, but the drive up there is potentially a faster way to get there than flying if you account for driving to the airport, going through security, waiting, boarding your plane, going to your connector at most probably Dallas. Uh, because it would be cheaper uh, i presume assuming american another economist term um or or whatever else to get to omaha uh you're looking at a potentially longer time and and then in some cases a a more expensive time because you know the college world series is not something that you know way ahead in advance where you're at optimal airline purchasing times uh whereas driving you know you, you might actually be able to save time um overall by, by driving, or you might end up spending more money by driving if you're with a group that has to stop and eat a meal or whatever else in there. So it's a weird, it's a weird proposition that I almost think Ole Miss fans had maybe an easier decision there. I know there were a lot that did drive. Um, but when you're talking about, I looked it up 11 and a half, maybe 12 hours to get up to Omaha, it becomes sort of a, you know, you have fewer decision points there and sort of simplifies your vision. Um gosh, I, I didn't talk myself out of what I was going to say. Oh, another th- uh my my main point though was uh not I I don't want to say excuses for the fan base not showing up because that makes it feel like, you know, everyone should have this guilt and as as if they did something wrong. Obviously, we want people to go support in person, but I I don't want to guilt anyone that that didn't go. Obviously, I didn't go. Um, but I, I don't want to say that someone did something wrong by making a decision not to go. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a matter of, Oh, had people shown up, we would have won. It's it, I think Ole Miss was going to win either way, but uh, we were the underdog. We were the Cinderella story of the college world series, you know, and that's a, that's a very difficult decision to make that I think Ole Miss fans also had easier, especially when they saw they were going to play us. I know from, from my social media, uh, knowing a lot of people that are Ole Miss fans and, and from Mississippi, as soon as they saw they were playing us, they were like, oh, we're winning the Natty. Let's go. It would be like if some weird college football playoff scenario occurred and OU ended up in the brackets playing someone like UCF or something, or or OU ended up in the brackets playing like like Bama, and then UCF won the other side of the bracket, OU would sell out those tickets because we'd be like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to win the Natty. Like It was a Cinderella story team. Give us like the Michigan State. The State. Let's say Michigan yeah. State.
2: Because yeah, but so what I was
1: saying, yeah, is specifics are taking me off track. But it was they saw, oh my god, we have the Cinderella story team that's sort of scrapping by and using Sooner Magic and they're and also on the Cinderella other side of the though. bracket. And well, but no, like you said, they were top ten coming in. We were unranked coming top ten, t-
0: Fan support—they were the last team in the in the top in the World ten Series. in the preseason polls. No, too, coming though. into the yeah, season. In, in
1: preseason, you're right. Yeah, right, I understand. We were both bottom seeds coming into the bracket, but they're a fundamentally really good team that is perennial or perennially competitive. That you know had some missteps, but then brought it back together. Whereas sure. OU was sort of a team that like. We're never, we're never known for it. what I'm saying is I think it was a much easier decision for them. So I, I, I do want to say that was definitely a, a factor as well, but you know, it is also an SEC thing. It's also a, a Southern thing is, is they care about all of their sports equally. And I think that's something that we sort of saw a taste of here uh, because we paid attention to a non-football sport and we're going to start to see a lot more in whatever year we go, I guess 2025 now is they're showing up for everything.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the point of, yeah, I think that's a very important thing to say because the point of this show, this pod specifically, is to be like, hey, we need to get towards that. Um, and you know, I I have no, my my issue with the College World Series turnout wasn't that you know, Ole Miss beat us. It's the fact that it was like it was as bad as it was. It was the fact that it was just. I mean, it was a it was a beatdown, y'all. It was you ran into an OU fan and you're like. I, I, it's so good to see another OU fan. I feel like I've, I feel like I saw a better percentage at in Columbus for OU Ohio State, for example. Literally every other road game I've been to, I have never felt more like th- we're just rolling by ourselves than at this one. Um, and that's, you know, uh, you're, Ty's right that people have different reasons, different w- ways for it. It's just the, the degree of how, um, you know uh, of how badly it how bad it was was uh, a bit jarring but i got okay let's let, let so we've, we've we've complained about things but let's let's uh let's talk about solutions how can ou as a fan base get get sec ready in a way how can we kind of beef up you know the the support all of that um that goes for both the fans and the university because you have to put out a good product so um let's start like basketball wise jameson uh is there any way we can build a good culture at the Lloyd Noble Center? Or do you think you just have to totally tear that thing down and reset?
2: I, I think you can continue at Lloyd Noble. We've kind of talked about it in the past. I don't know how much moving it over to, you know, Robinson, whatever, over close, like, torchies and whatnot. Isn't that kind of what we were thinking about for the other stadium? Um, Blazer. Blazer's ice rink. <laughs> Blazer, no. At That's least we'd least. be
1: able to sell it out. We'd be able to sell <laughs> it out, you know. Yeah. So
2: my my thing is and i've already i've said it i'll probably say it for the third or fourth time this this show here's here's how you like move towards success and always you know every once in a while no matter what kind of team you are um or how good you are in the past years there's always going to be a couple like seasons where you get a really good team and things end up doing well and we just saw that with baseball let's just talk about basketball and we saw it with Buddy Hield and Cousins and then um Trey Young we start doing really well. We get success as though, so therefore the fans come, the fans come, that means more money. And whenever you have more money and more support, therefore you're driving a good product. And especially now with NIL, if we can drive a good product that a lot of people are wanting to go watch and we have money and, you know, donors that are saying like, okay, this is fun to come watch this. I can put money into this. Therefore you're going to get good players. This is legitimately generally the snowball effect. And whenever you get good players, you continue to have good product and then um, good product. Therefore, the fans come back the next season. They continue to watch. Um, The tough part about that is it's much easier to say that and do that with football because of the requirements of staying in school at least three years before you go to the draft and basketball. You get one guy like Trey Young. It's one season you snap your finger and he's gone. So it's really, really, really hard to keep it up. But all it is, I think, is once we see a team that is fun and you enjoy watching them on TV, maybe you didn't go to those games, but you paid attention to them kind of from afar, um, and a lot of people start going to those games, continue that into the next season and see if it's still fun. Hey, if the next season is still fun, then you can continue to go into the next season, and therefore it starts creating that snowball. But if that snowball stops rolling and one of those seasons wasn't fun, then it's kind of on their end to try to correct that. So I really think all it starts with with success and then money comes after. That's fair. Ty, your thoughts.
1: Sorry, I lost my cursor. Couldn't unmute. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, I think Jameson is is on the right track uh, there. I, I think I agree with everything he said, but I, I do have some stuff to add. I, I don't necessarily think it's even an uh, entertainment Product, I think it is a a uh, a lifestyle brand. I believe is is the industry term. It's and and that's I really think that's that's football's key to success. Really, is you have a lot of people from Oklahoma and from other areas even that maybe didn't go to OU. Uh, you know, maybe no one in their family has ever even actually gone to OU, but they support the football team because they like football uh, or they like. You know, just identifying with a brand that is generally successful that is from their area. You know, everyone wants to identify with with something that's from their area that they can claim, you know, as a as a thing. And I think if I could point out one thing potentially that I don't see spoken about a lot or at all, that I I think, and I'm not claiming to be any smarter than anyone else, maybe smarter people than I have have thought about this and, and sort of disproven this, but I think that other OU teams, basketball and and let's say baseball specifically, because I would put softball and and gymnastics even in much the same realm as football. They're sort of, you know, the things. I would put Oklahoma State wrestling in that same uh, basket as OU football and OU softball and OU gymnastics is they're from the Oklahoma area. If you like that sport and you're from anywhere around here, including, you know, Northern Texas, Arkansas, Kansas, I would presume, and, and some other stuff you identify with those sort of brands as the big brands from your area. Those people that, that went to your high school maybe, or, or were from your hometown or whatever else went and contributed to that brand. And, and I think that uh, baseball and basketball could do some things. I think it would cost the university some money out of pocket, but would be a good investment that would produce returns in the long run. And that's something like, you know, maybe baseball has to pay to go play in Bricktown or, or maybe they could get it for free, but just stuff like that, stuff where they can go engage. I, I know it was a, it was a fluke. Uh, I think, I don't think it was by design. I think it was for COVID. Uh, But um, when OU basketball played at uh, Paycom center um, a couple seasons ago, now I thought that That was was super neat. That was
0: pre-COVID was it pre-COVID? It was like a week or not like a week. It's like a month before COVID. I remember that one.
1: Yeah. But that that was super cool. And, and, and things like that, like engagement around the, the state, you know, maybe uh, playing, you know, different people around, I, I think, but what I'm getting at is, is sort of getting that buy-in from people that aren't from the, cause I think the buy-in is already there from alumni and from, Active students, especially because students, you know, everyone knows someone on on one of the teams, or or knows someone that knows someone on one of the teams. Like that fan base is is sort of self sustaining. But football has a ton of of fans just because of their success. But I, I think it's more than the the success. I think you can I think you can push both of those metrics upwards or forwards at the same time. I don't think you necessarily need to one hundred percent push success. And then if you build it, they will come. That will obviously be true. But I think you can also push this metric of, hey, we are – we're your team. We're Oklahoma's team. We are Oklahoma's gymnastics team, which we are, you know, for the entire state. We are Oklahoma's softball team. We are, to some extent – or I mean, we're the Bama or uh, whatever else you – whatever big dynasties of – of softball you know where we have young girls from all over that want to play softball or like Oklahoma is is it you know we are we are the peak of those things and I think that we could do a little bit more in terms of engaging you know everyone as a brand because that's truly like that's what pro sports teams do that's what the Thunder does that's what you know the Cowboys do they're all of America's team um which they are. I will die in that hill. I am a Cowboys fan, even though I shit on them. But I, I think we could do more to, to sort of engage people outside of, of the strictly university sphere and, and sort of cultivate those things. And it's it's something that's hard to sort of put your eggs in that basket because it's a long-term, it's not a short-term gratification thing. You know, it's I want to it's it's like a Baker Mayfield thing, you know. Yeah. There there was a Heisman and a playoff run that obviously went bad, but that was cultivated, and, and that came to fruition in 2017. That was cultivated 20 years prior, with him growing up and being like, "Oh, I want to be an Oklahoma fan," because he went to Tech and then left Tech. Could have gone, you know, pretty much anywhere and, and did what he did. And he said, "No, I'm an Oklahoma fan. I want to go there." That was a 20-year, you know, long-term investment uh, that no one, you know, no one would have guessed paid off. That that ended up paying off it, massive dividends for OU, and and that's the kind of thing that I think you know, start investing in it now. Uh, plant, Napoleon once famously said, marching down a road, I wish there were trees here for my army to to stop and rest in, in shade under. And one of his generals said, sir, that would that would uh, take, you know, 10, 20 years for those trees to grow and, and have shade for our armies. And then Napoleon replied, well, we better start planting them now then. And I think that's the case for, for a lot of OU fandom.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, d- definitely culture wise, but I feel like, yeah, I agree. You 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 gotta keep that brand going. And I think it's strong. And I, I will say partially some of that, you know, um Napoleon's concern about the uh you know lack of, of structure along those roads. Um I kind of think that it's an infrastructure thing as well at OU. Um, because like let's throw Memorial Stadium out the window here. You don't need that to be too fancy, just a place for Loud OU fans, you know. I, I don't think football stadiums need to be that special. Um, I mean, do do enough to placate, you know, the rich folks who keep you know padding that money for sure, but I, I don't think Memorial Stadium needs too much. I personally hate Lloyd Noble Center. I think it's incapable of providing an atmosphere good for college basketball, um, mostly due to its bowl shape being as you know not suited for, for college basketball can't stack people on top of it, it, it um, you can't create an intimidating environment when it feels like a cavern um, so I, I think that needs to be either renovated or reset. I know Jameson disagrees um, and not, not even necessarily like I'll agree
2: I'll agree with you about how it is inside Bobby. I was just thinking about the location cost wise probably is gonna be kind of a tough sell but yes keep going
0: yeah for sure I I think that that atmosphere that environment could be better. Baseball, Eldale is not awful, but you know, well, it, it it can be it can be beautified easy. Ballparks can be fixed. Um, I I don't know what that would look like. Uh, obviously try to encourage the berms more, but not really. You can't really do that one because you can't be like, hey, students, go drink on on a couch. Uh, it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing with the university there. But you know, I I think that's one where the fans have to come in and make that one better. Maybe. I don't know, add more berm space and give them a solid nudge. Be like, hey, hey, oh, look what you can do now. You have more space to drink on drink beers on couches. Um, but I think when it comes to college, when it comes to college football, the bread and butter, they have to expand tailgating. Because that to me is something that, you know, OE football, the fans are going to show up. They they're, they're going to care. But if you make that an absolutely perfect experience, it doesn't matter if you win 9 games a season. People will come for that. People will come for that. Um and I think if they they expand tailgating, have a more relaxed um just fun atmosphere, that's the mo- that's the move there and um it, it's a, I think it's an absolute necessity. Uh Especially when looking at other SEC teams, apparently there are concerns that other SEC teams are like, we have we have expectations on what our tailgating is like. They don't match it. We need to be better. So, I think for me, tailgating needs to improved to be improved, and I, that that falls on the university. So, I I think building that infrastructure for fans to thrive, to have more fun, is is key, and the university has to step up, and you know do something more than just kind of providing us with not a lot of, not a lot to go off of, I suppose.
2: Mm -hmm. I think the move to the sec will be a huge wake up call for um, tailgating because the way that they do tailgating is you don't think so, I think so just because it's going to be a push because we're going to, we don't like being a lesser in the eyes of other people we're Oklahoma. We think that we're, you know, blue blood and we should be at the top of almost everything that we do. Um, if we're at the bottom of tailgating, I understand that's not like the highest thought, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, the collards um, thing and, you know, the, the athletic department thinking about how they can improve their product. Uh, but, when we get there and we're getting outdone by away teams when we play like an Ole Miss, but we still win those games by like 30 plus, I think that's going to show something. So I, I would like to think optimistically that the that whenever we move to the SEC, we'll adopt more of an SEC style while we're in the Big 12 we really don't have to as much. Um, but um, I agree with you, Bobby. There's definitely some changes needed to be had.
0: DeMarco Murray tweeted out a Yamaha. Did you see that?
2: A Yamaha? Yeah, was,
0: what? Uh, he, he tweeted out Yamaha 15 minutes ago. I
2: I have no idea what he that probably means. just
1: lot um, a motorcycle and or a musical jet instrument.
0: ski or a jet ski or a job, it, probably a jet ski. It's
2: yeah, a jet so ski so, the so right maybe, now maybe, he's, maybe it's a he, musical. Dalen Smothers is a guy that we're like going after. Um, and I know Demarco said like let him know where home is, Boomer, as like a tweet, um, and he. I think he, like, announced that he's down to, like, his final four, I believe, in a recent tweet. Um, And it's, like, a big race between us and Florida State. But this is another four-star running back guy that would kind of close out um, our class. So I'm guessing where he's just trying to accumulate hype. Um, But that's going to be a close close race. And we'll have more in the future on some recruiting corners because there's a lot to be had. But in the State of the Union, (laughs) there's so much (laughs) dense content here that I don't know if we could add any more for y'all. Um, I but I I, 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 Ty, Ty, do you not think in terms of tailgating? Once we get to the SEC, we'll almost acclimate and what? Is, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like whenever you, you know, I'm like a chameleon. I change to my environment. Assimilate um, would be
1: the sort of assimilate. Form. Assimilate's yeah. a good
2: one. Assimilate. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, so I,
1: no, I don't. I don't. I agree that we would assimilate. Uh, what I was shaking my head no to, um, and, and let me preface this for the listeners: I have experienced. Um. Uh, let me think so I've experienced I, I've experienced both Mississippi schools uh, I've experienced Mississippi State at sort of any time of game including their homecoming which is a big uh, tailgating one for them and then also Ole Miss and Oxford the Grove what is sort of universally acknowledged as the best tailgating experience and I've sort of alluded to it on the podcast before I, I don't think that there is any sort of special sauce there that is any more or less than what Oklahoma has. I, I think there's um, there's a big sort of universal buy-in within Mississippi. Uh, there's a lot of people that are Southern Miss fans that are Mississippi State fans or even Auburn, Bama, Tennessee, LSU fans or whatever that will put on their regalia for whatever school they're going to and, and go for the environment. And sort of participate in that unique local culture of of the Grove or of Stark Vegas or of whatever else. I know it's broadly the same at the other schools. Uh, from from what I can tell, I, I would say Bama's tailgating scene is is pretty similar to OU's. Uh, I, I would say that I you know I I'm, I'm a known hater of I, nothing good. Literally, not a single good thing. And no one can disprove this. Not a single good thing has ever come out of the state of Louisiana, and, and I would—I I think people would debate that. Jamison was born in Louisiana. It, I think that proves my point that there's never been a good thing from Louisiana. Um, Ooh, yikes! But no, but what? Anyways, I'll, I'll cut myself short. I know I've been long-winded on this spot. I, I don't. There's no special sauce there, and I really don't think that the SEC tailgating environment, tailgating specifically, you know, fans as a whole, caring very deeply, and then also people with no direct connection to the university having that cultural buy-in to the teams, they are blowing us out of the water in that. But when it comes to tailgating at the schools for the games or for whatever else, I, I can tell you right now, and I think that anyone that can look at this sort of objectively uh, that has been to both an Oklahoma tailgate and then also any SEC tailgate, uh, because I'm assuming that none of them are as good as the Grove, although I would like to experience uh, Florida, um, is it, there's nothing special, there's nothing super that unique. What Ole Miss does that Oklahoma doesn't do is they just have a smaller available area. I, I I think that OU fans get kind of caught up in this, oh, our tailgating isn't that great because it doesn't seem that large, which it it kind of isn't, but then also you have that sort of little group that's by the Duck Pond. You have that sort of little group also by the Duck Pond and by Lindsay of the rental tailgates. You have the Lloyd Noble Center RV tailgates. You have the people that are tailgating, but they're spending their time at, at Campus Corner. And I know there's little batches of things, you know, like people at, at homes, there's a couple of Airbnbs off campus or, or other homes. And then the the North Greek and South Greek uh, that are sort of their own, you know, sub-tailgates, but there's really three big areas. Oh, we'll, we'll include the fraternities and, and sororities in there. So there's there's four big areas, and they're all not really that walkable. Like, you could walk from a fraternity at South Greek to the Duck Pond to tailgate, but you're not really sort of doing, like, a frat lap or, like, a bar hop thing where you can keep the party going. Like, you're, if you, are, you, if you go to tailgate somewhere at OU, you're committed to that spot, and then you're going to the game. Because they're not accessible. They're not all in one area. What Omus does, what a lot of the SEC does, is they just don't have, you know, five, ten different areas where people are having to the tailgate. They just have it all sort of, you know, restricted or structured into one area. And then it's a much better atmosphere. It would be like if I don't even know mm-hmm. what to compare it to. Like if you had the Texas State Fair, but instead of it being at the fairgrounds where the OU Texas game is it's just the Texas State Fair, but we're inviting you to have a barbecue in your backyard. And then it's like, oh, the Texas State Fair is kind of lame. There's only 20 people there versus when you put it all in one area. And I think OU could could create a world-class tailgating atmosphere if we said the North Oval and the grass in front of uh, whatever those two halls are, the visitor center and the other one that are facing Campus Corner. That's all you have to tailgate is that one little J area And then obviously the RVs are going to have to stay at Lloyd Noble, but if you just didn't give everyone all these 1 million different options and kept it all in one spot, it would be exactly the same. And that's the secret sauce that these sec schools as a a broad brush, as a generalization, obviously there's exceptions. That's what they have. I, I, they don't have tailgating atmospheres that are innately better or that they have more buy-in or, or whatever else they're smaller schools with smaller state populations, it's just a matter of we have, we have sort of, we're pouring our, our drink into too many cups and diluting it. Type well, of.
0: and I also think some of it is these spots that like, let, let's say you open up all the good spots around the stadium that people want. Lindsay street, etc. Hell go for it. Open up the South and the North ovals, right? There's no chance in hell. Any tailgater would be, you know, out randomly at Lloyd Noble or at some of the spots they are at now, they would consolidate. You you have to, you have to give them good spots in order to, you know, really thrive. And, you know, it's, you are right. It's not a sec specific issue. Um, Like Jameson and I can attest, you know, when we went to bedlam last year, Oklahoma state, great tailgating. Uh, I, I feel like the same goes for Iowa state and K state. That's more of a wide open spaces situation. Um, but with OU, you just kind of have to sacrifice. You have to kind of take the bullet a little bit and, uh, you know, look, Molly Shiboran isn't there anymore. So that helps, you know, we, we don't have to worry about the flowers as much.
2: Yeah. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> that, that was honestly really tough.
0: The action never ends at DraftKings sports book, especially this summer. Your betting options feel endless. Let me tell you what. I know you might be feeling the dog days of summer right now. I know I am. But you know what's coming up? NBA Summer League. I'm excited. The Thunder are going to absolutely dominate. I don't know if I'm allowed to give advice on the ad read. But slam the boys over and over and over. They're going to win a lot of games. But I got to say, you know what's even better? DraftKings Sportsbook. Because it's safe, secure, and reliable. Just like that, Thunder defense. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want as well. So, look, Chet's Chet's uh, jump shot's pretty money. Not quite as money as DraftKings Sportsbook. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now, back to the
2: schooner pod. It's been a lot, guys. I say we move on just um, finally. We took on some questions, Bobby, from um, our yes. listeners. A couple of them were, you know, trolls. But we'll go through all of them um, just to kind of quick fire through them in this pod.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of them were anonymous. Um so, if your name was there, um, first off, uh, all right. First question from Connor: How do we get more Sooner fans to travel to games? We covered a, a lot of this
2: in uh, this the show. Uh, Jameson, I think it's success. I really do think it is. I mean, like, and then having good non-conference opponents. I told y'all earlier. There's two things. It's either you're going to a game because Jameson the doing is up. Good. Oh You no. <laughs> sometimes i do that for some reason whenever i like say a two or three i've been putting up weird finger combinations i don't know um but maybe it just feels more comfortable but you know one is freudian, you have good- freudian horns up
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay okay you use, you use the texas version for two if, if we, we are going to in- use this oh no we don't use that in <laughs> oklahoma
1: oh
2: my god we don't use this
1: no we use there's only one oklahoma so we we do that one
2: hey (laughs) oh god okay but if we're good obviously people are going to want to go to games but if we're playing good opponents and i was looking at ou's non-conference schedule um for football and it is absolutely nuts how every single season we have something that is like very sought after in terms of, you know, a non-conference opponent. I understand they're home and home. So some of them, you might not get that big, you know, travel to, you know, Notre Dame or Nebraska, but we've got like Georgia and Alabama and LSU. And I understand a lot of those are SEC. um, But we've got a lot lined up that we've been trying really hard to make sure we have a big time you know big brand opponent to play every single year we're gonna so need long- to reschedule a
0: lot of those
2: yes yes but i think we'll it'll be just fine because i can see that the athletic department has this idea that we need big name opponents and that's what we saw with ohio state you know i felt like there was like bobby said earlier there's a pretty good showing at that the shoe um but if we play the team you know i think i'm pretty sure michigan's on our list too um you know that's you know, like if we go to the big house, it's going to be you know, a, a really fun game to go watch. Uh, we will continue to schedule those. So I think that's just the biggest thing. As long as we have good opponents and good product, people will go. Ty?
1: Yeah, I I would say per <laughs> my last email, listen to the last hour of yeah, content we just though.
2: did. Yeah, let's just move on. Let's just move on, Bobby. Yeah, no, I agree. Person, Just keep winning. Just
0: keep it. winning. My computer is losing its mind right now. It's not that I, I can, I can, I can, I can hear the little, little, as you can, can hear, the little the womp, 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 whatever. Uh, all right. Number two, if we aren't happy winning 12 games a year in the Big 12, how happy will we be winning nine games a year in the SEC? Shocked face. That is from, uh, I imagine, uh, an, an anonymous person, as a name is Baker Mayfield.
2: Ty, I'll let you take that one.
1: Uh, sorry, Jamison, can you take this one first real quick?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's fine. So essentially, you know, winning 12 games in a season is absolutely wonderful. That's the pinnacle, you know, um, because 12 is a really damn good season. 11 is also very dang good. If we're winning nine games, in the SEC, and if hypothetically somehow the uh, playoff expands, I still think that's a pretty dang good season. Um, there's going to be a lot of game, and I feel like this nine was kind of a jab at us, saying like, oh, you're only going to win nine games in the SEC there's going to be some seasons that we're going to win nine games because it's going to be stiffer opponents. Um, but it, you know, the, the games will mean more and there's going to be some seasons where we're going to have 10 or 11 wins and those are going to be really good seasons. And we're going to be like trying and true and tested through those really hard opponents to whenever we get down to the end, we're not going to get slapped in the face. Like we did with Kyler Murray in Alabama, you know, we're not our Joe burrow and LSU because we've really tested ourselves for the best of the best. um, I've always thought that, you know, it's good to have an easier road to um, hopefully win a national championship, but you're not going to win that national championship unless you're actually one of the best teams in the nation. And unless you're one of the best teams in the nation, you're not going to do well in the SEC. But if you are, you're going to do well in the SEC and you're going to make it to the end. We've seen it even with Alabama who loses games on flukes throughout the season. They find themselves in the playoffs and they some they do really well and end up winning, um, you know. That's just how it's going to be. So if we're playing better opponents and we're not winning as many games, um, we're going to continue to get better. And there's going to be some games and some seasons where we'll do well and we'll get out of that mess. But it's not as clear and simple as we're going to only win nine games every single season. That's That's just foolish. Jameson, did you say it'll just mean more? Yes, I did say that. I hate it because there's so many times where I try to like actually not use that um, saying. I'm like, is there another way I can say this so I don't continue to say? it? But I feel like it just legitimately fits in so many of um, like you know conversations about the SEC.
0: Jameson, lean into the troll. Lean into it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's it, but it's true. I mean, it, it's really what it is. It's I, if we win non games some season, so be it. We at least we tried our hardest. versus some of the best opponents. And I think nine games um, winning in that conference is going to be really good. Um, You cannot win every single season. And it's going to feel a little bit better that we, we had that opportunity rather than, you know, 11, 12 games. Then we just get slapped in the playoffs.
0: I I think the fact that the games that we're playing are going to like, they're they're, they're going to have higher. They're
2: going to mean more.
0: (laughs) They're going to have higher stakes. Uh so maybe one could say they would just mean more, but I, I'm gonna say, like, when that includes when you lose, then you're like, well, they didn't blow it, they just were outmatched. I, I don't feel like they felt like that against OSU or Baylor, they felt like they just could have done more. So when you have better competition and you fall falter against them, then you're not really like blowing it on or blaming it on OU, blowing it. I think that helps. Um, I i think the the higher level of competition will, will help and you know, let's say they do win the SEC some some year. That is going to be one of the most hype this fan base has been probably since the 2000 national title. So, um, yeah, it'll be really good stuff. Ty, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that when we're looking at, at OU and, and the Big 12 and are we happy winning only 12 games this season and are we going to be happier in the SEC, something that comes to mind is the game's not worth playing, if your opponent's programmed to lose, and winning doesn't mean anything unless someone else loses, and and one thing that I've noticed being in the Big 12 is this whole world is a story, and I've read every page except for the last one, and I need to find out how it ends. I want to know what this all means, and I know that the SEC is a maze, and I'm trying to find the entrance to that maze, and I know that what what the college football world really, what this whole world was needing, was a true villain. Hence my humble contribution.
2: Man, you're just obsessed with the man in black recently. He is an you? OU
1: alumni. He is an <laughs> OU alum that is relevant to the podcast. Uh, that,
2: that actually was very good, Ty. I a really compilation
1: enjoyed that. of quotes that I've been waiting to use uh, from from Westworld. So no free ads, but don't watch it because it doesn't even make sense anymore.
0: Okay, I, I, I wasn't sure if that was from- But I that. think
1: they fit. I think they all fit.
0: I thought, I for a second, I thought that was from a Buick commercial or a State of the <laughs> Union address, but I wasn't <laughs> sure.
2: I was, for one second, I was like, this could be Matthew McConaughey. This really could, because maybe my horn's up, just take something in him. I can't do the country voice. Yeah, I, I, and, and, the, and then you got- and then and then you gave me the maze and i was like obviously that's that's the man in black that's so it's funny is is
1: everything prior to the maze was actually a direct quote but i knew that probably no one would get it so i had to sort of ad-lib the maze and the villain part
0: all right what else we got bobby this maze isn't meant for you is what a lot of college baseball fans said to you never mind all right this next one is from Another anonymous, because their name is Sam Bradford. How do you pronounce... Okay, I think <laughs> a, a very specific dig at potentially me it says, how do you pronounce Vent, Brent Venable's name? And they spelled it Venerables. I accidentally have been pronouncing his last name Venerables on accident. It slips out. When? And I, I haven't
2: it, even noticed this.
0: It, it. I feel like it slipped a couple times. I don't know if I do it on purpose or, or what, but growing up, I always said Venerables. It is very clearly Brent Venables, but I I definitely,
1: definitely screw that up a couple times.
2: Any more digs at Bobby in here?
1: I I do want to say real quick on that question. I don't have an answer, uh, but I did see the the text transcription of the question. And I want to thank whoever asked that question. Uh, I guess they gave us their first and last name. Sam Bradford is a fan of the pod, but shout out to the, the proper grammar and punctuation in that question. Not a lot of people would get that apostrophe right. Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. And I all, okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to more uh, name related things. Uh, this is from Adrian Peterson. His initials are literally AP. He's AP, not AD. This has to be a
2: whole one person. who's just trolling us, c- continuing saying, oh, you legends.
0: Okay. Well, Adrian Peterson, you would know that that nickname was given to you by your dad because you could run all day. So uh, yeah. Yeah. It was it's because it's because of all day, not because of his initials. Not every nickname has to be initials people. I hate I hate no. when nicknames are just initials. Those aren't nicknames. Those are initials.
2: Yeah, it's just people that don't understand. I, I mean, we get mad as a fan base when people call ADAP. That's just because they don't know. They don't know. And they get confused. Colin Cowherd does it all the time, you know. He just doesn't know. And you're just going to be like, oh, bless their heart kind of moment. They just don't understand. And don't get mad at them because they're not doing it on purpose. It just shows their lack of intelligence of the subject matter.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, for sure.
1: I I do want to point out on this one, very niche joke, uh, but it's not AD anymore. We actually say CE.
2: Uh, pause. I I don't know. do I see that he I I don't know until until someone gets that you see that he's gonna um box like was it Le'Veon Bell or something?
0: Oh no, <laughs> uh,
2: that's actually gonna be very really scary. Whoever would fight Adrian Peterson in a boxing ring, I would be so scared because he has been known to throw some hands. So um,
0: his handshakes, like- handshakes are legendary alone. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to get hit with one of those. Uh, Moving on. Spencer Sanders just says uh, uh, 37 to 33. That doesn't matter to me anymore. Lincoln Riley's gone. He threw the game. We don't care about that. that, And I will say that that, that's kind of what makes that bedlam. So funny is that none of us cared almost immediately afterwards. They're, they're, They're one of their biggest wins in program history got immediately overshadowed by an OU news story, even though it was OU in pain.
2: We got anything else, Bobby, or do we want to keep on appeasing the trolls? We've been kind of yeah, long. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. Like-
0: we'll, we'll stop feeding the trolls. We got a good one from our, our great, great friend of the pod, uh, Michael Whit- uh, Whitman at It's Litman. Who is their biggest antagonist, not rival, this coming year? For example, like Mario has Wario, Texas has Kansas. Who does OU have as their uh, biggest kind of antagonist?
2: I still think that rival and antagonist really go hand in hand. Cause like we don't have that embarrassing moment, you know, that Texas had with Kansas, you know, that monkey on their back almost. Um, the antagonist is, is we know that Texas is starting to recruit better. And that's scary. I understand we play it down a lot as a fan base saying, you know, okay, they get all of these really good players, and time and time again, they just screw it up. You know, their five and seven is going to be a six and six. But, you know, getting Arch Manning, even if you guys don't think this guy is, you know, all that he's put out to be, maybe he's just number one player in the nation because he has that Manning name and it overhyped him a little bit. Still, hype is a big deal, and it's going to be very, very hard beating this Texas team in the future. So So I'm honestly scared. They are legitimately, I think like, you know, like the evil villain versus us in our journey, because we're moving towards, you know, the sec us and them by ourselves. We're the two new kids coming to that school. And I would like to be the more popular of the two kids. And if Texas comes out on top and is more popular than us and, you know, in terms of football, that's not going to look good for us.
0: So yeah. Well, yeah, obviously Texas is our biggest rival. They're our biggest villain. Um, they're our Bowser. Our Wario, though, that one random thorn in our side that won't go away, for me, it's a clear answer. It's Kansas State. That program, they're not quite a rival, but they always pop up. They cause some trouble. They'll beat you sometimes. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you always might be in for a wild game. So K-State, for me, is, is, is our biggest antagonist.
1: I would say our biggest antagonist is the NCAA. And they present us <laughs> a numerous challenges. And we will meet these challenges, not through big NCAA. The era of big NCAA is over. But we can get back to a time when our sooners were just left to fend for themselves. Instead, we must go forward as one Oklahoma, one SEC working together to meet the challenges that we face.
0: Was that JFK or Hank Hill? I couldn't tell.
1: I'm telling you, this is how bad I am at accents. That was Bill Clinton. But yeah, it did It did sound like Hank Hill and JFK had an <laughs> illegitimate baby that Jackie did not know about uh, and that Marilyn raised in a, a foster home
2: in Palm Springs. <laughs> I was about to say Hank Hill. Damn, he's pulling out quotes.
0: I haven't seen that episode of The King of the Hill. My God, but That oh, is that is pretty was much really
1: verbatim good. a Bill Clinton
2: State of the Union. Oh, uh, that was beautiful, Ty. Good job.
0: Incredible stuff. Um, let's see what we got next. Uh, what are you each most excited about going into the next this next football season? I know. What- cover this that, a of previews. that
2: is a huge question so i'll say we keep it each to like a minute um most excited obviously the most obvious answer is the intensity on the defense for me um can we see something that's different than the speed d do we have like a together culture where even though the simple defense that everyone talked about in speed d that we seem to not catch on we're bringing in a more complex defense will we have less holes will there be less big plays will we feel like that we have a legitimately solid defensive scheme that can stop offenses and feel confident every single time the defense goes on the field. And with, you know, the assistant coaches that we've had and Brent Venables and his track record, I would like to think that that's definitely the part I'm most excited about moving into the season.
1: Ty. I am most looking forward to our defense. I have found, as I am sure you have in your travels that people everywhere In spite of occasional disappointments, look to us. Not to our NIL deals or coaching drama, but to the splendor of our teams. For our Sooners are commissioned by history to either be an observer of our national championship runs failure or to cause its success. Our overriding obligation in the months ahead is to fulfill the world's hopes by fulfilling our own faith. Zombies. That's a JFK quote. From uh real life and from Call of Duty.
0: Incredible, incredible stuff. I I kind of okay, that there was that a real some... answer
1: in there though, and that was uh our defense if you didn't catch it.
0: Yeah, no, I I think defense is definitely up there. Um and it yeah, no, I I'm excited about the defense as well, but to break the pattern a bit, and genuinely I'm actually very curious to see how OE looks like under Jeff Levy, you know, having a designate, designated offensive coordinator with, um, Dylan Gabriel. And I, I, I'm really intrigued to see how that offense operates. Um, I'm excited, little curious, a little nervous. So I'll give with the, uh, I'll go with the offense. So, um, moving on, uh, from Carly, we have what do you think is the most important issue the new OU coaching staff will face this coming up off season this come upcoming season? I'm applying football, but this can be applied to baseball too. Let's just go with football. Uh Jameson, go for so it. So the the question
2: is the most important problem coming up in the offseason or in the season?
0: Uh, upcoming season. I, I kind of botched it.
2: Okay. Okay. I, I was about to say for the offseason, I think. Uh, let's just screw it. Let's just make this my answer. Cause that's what I was thinking of first. Um, I think it's a big deal that we are not going to be getting some of the star studded five star wide receivers and um, quarterbacks that we've been getting in the past. And that's going to be hard for our, our identity. You know, we have been very spoiled with these quarterbacks that we've been getting in, you know, and Spencer, I understand Spencer Rattler failed, um, but you know, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And I understand Jackson Arnold has a lot of hype coming up for him, but you know, I, uh, we're not going to have that this year. We have uncertainty. And uh, in terms of recruiting, it's going to be a while to kind of get that momentum and that legitimacy. And people actually believe that we have something special here to come to us because we're blank slate. So um, I think definitely getting a reputation and showing how legitimate we are on the the offense side of the ball um, for recruiting is going to um, be a huge deal for us. And it's going to be a little bit of a curve of the talent that we get in these first couple of recruiting cycles. Ty, most important issue you faces this season?
1: Yeah, uh, so I, I need to reverse a couple weeks of weeks of stuff. Thank you, Carly, for the question. I, I do want to say, uh, we do know that psychology is real medicine. Uh, so we're not going to do that bit three weeks in a row. Uh, but I, I think that I, I love Jameson's cultural answer because we know that I'm a big culture uh, within the team uh, sort of sort of guy. But I, I think that it, 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 this almost sounds bad. I don't want this to sound negative. I, I, I hope everyone takes this very cynically, very analytically, and I think that's managing expectations. I think they're, you can't say, oh, we need to win a national championship this year or we're done. I, you know, I would, I would be disappointed in an eight and four season uh, or, or whatever a four loss season works out to nowadays. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be mad. I'm, I'm rooting for undefeated, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, a, a dip in performance is not necessarily a bad thing in the first year with the amount of just turmoil, changeover, storylines, drama, everything else that we've had. You know, it's, I think that it, looking at the the realistic expectations and everything else for an SEC move. I think that is the real goal. And I'm not advocating tanking because that's obviously not a thing in, in college football, but I I think that, I think Brent Venables is smart enough to know that, that the SEC move and what happens right of that action is what really matters more than anything else. And I would tolerate us, you know, maybe foregoing some short-term gains in in, uh, you know, in support of getting some long-term gains. Because I would hate for us to sort of build a team with with a lot of very maybe senior guys and and whatever else and not play junior guys and, and all sorts of stuff to get us this short-term gratification in a situation we already know we're going to lose. Uh, and I think that if we manage expectations, then we facilitate that. Because I think if if we don't manage expectations and everyone's expecting, you know, World beating, playoff run, everything else, which I think we're capable of. But I don't want us to sacrifice long term gains for those short term gains. So managing expectations. That is actually kind of the perfect answer.
0: Um, and I, th- I think, unfortunately, just knowing OU fans, you know, uh, Bud Wilkinson said he created a monster that constantly needs to be fed, that constantly needs to be satiated. And, um, they, they've got to live up to it, unfortunately, because I, I, I think the the mobs of Gooners, the mobs of OU fans, they're going to they're going to have to adapt. And I think as a fan base, they're going we all have to give them give them a leash, give them time to get ready. They lost a lot last offseason. Um, there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of good things to be excited about. But Rome isn't built in a day. It doesn't take forever. It, it takes a long time to get that going. um but unfortunately, this team's gonna have to win. Um, that's the bad news. They're gonna have to really, really win. the good news it's 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 is it's a weekend to big twelve. Um, Oklahoma State lost their defensive mastermind lost a lot, a lot of talent., uh, so they're not the same beast they were before. Um, Baylor's non, still-
2: non-conference is pretty easy too, yeah, for the most part, yeah, you know it- like this season, honestly, like I, you're getting at this, Bobby, there is a lot of opportunity to go undefeated, even though we might not have the strongest team.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it, they the it, it, it's tricky. It's tricky and they're, they're going to have to have some luck in there. You know, Dylan Gabriel has to be healthy that without, without Dylan Gabriel, I think you're any, any chance of winning a big 12 out the window. Um, And, you know, you you never know. We didn't see Baylor doing as well as they did last year. Ty picked them last in the Big 12, I think. Um, Who who would have done that?
1: Which they were. Which they were, right? Okay. They won the conference. No, okay. And that was, Bobby, Jameson will agree with me here, inherently unscientific. We had a sample size of one with last season, okay? That was one iteration, one sample size of how that season could have gone. I want a peer-reviewed, you know, double-blind test with multiple, you you know, one independent variable.
2: Randomized controlled trial. That's what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah, because what we had was an inherently biased sample size of one 2021 season where, yes, Baylor won, but they could still very well be the last one. That was an inherently flawed you know, test. There were a whole host of things. We had a ton of variables changing, and and no one in their right minds would. Uh, I understand Bobby wants to do his own research with a twenty twenty one season, and I say Baylor won. Okay, objectively, they're last, right? Okay, trust the science.
0: Alternative, your alternative facts of college football is that Baylor was did not win a game.
1: No, that's your alternative fact. You're using what? a sample size of one study to What's say he- that they were the best in the Big Twelve when everyone knows that they were last
0: theoretically of course you're right um but yeah no i we don't know what team's going to come out of this i who knows um i i I think there's a lot of expectations to manage though and I, i i i think you know frankly every ou team struggles with it but you know making that first impression is uh, it completely sets the stage for everything? Uh, Jameson said a lot of it as well of establishing yourself with recruiting. All eyes are on this year one. I don't know if it's fair that it is, but it the, the foundation of this year can I don't want to say what could make or break uh Vittable's tenure. Saban lost to ULM his first season, uh, but it's big. They got to make some serious headway. They got to really make a splash that this team is going to maintain the success that it had under Riley and Stoops Um, that, you know, Rome, Rome, Rome has not burnt. You know, we, we don't have, you know, know, we, I don't know, Nero or some other bad Roman emperor in charge. We, we are not headed for another dark, dark ages of uh, college football. So, uh, or in, in Norman. So, uh, venerables and them, they have to convince people to do that for sure, or that things are going to be okay. And they have to do that by winning. And they have a lot of opportunity, and I think they can really get it done. But we'll see. It's going to be fun to break down. I tell you what, we're like a little under 69 days away from uh college football season. So it's pretty exciting. Nice. Uh, but... I know. Uh, last question fair to assume Lindsey Gray Walton is on the hot seat. a uh, head volleyball coach. That is from Thomas. Agreed. Yeah. Volleyball's been awful. Think like, of like what four and seventeen last year. That's uh, of all the of all the athletic programs, that's truly probably the worst one right now. So yeah, she's on a hot seat. But, anyways, that's our show. That is the state of the O Union. All things considered, things are damn good. It's a good athletic program. It's on the rise. Mm-hmm. But as a fan base, as an athletic department, you know. There are more steps to be done. We can't be satisfied with where we are because true greatness is just within our grasp. Um, I really think that the best is is yet to come for OU Athletics, for the OU Football Department. Across the board, exciting stuff. We all just got to gotta support it. We got to become a more well-rounded program, folks. But I believe we can do it. We can be more than just a football school. We can be an everything school. Wouldn't that be pretty damn good? I think so. So, uh, Jameson, any final thoughts before we head on
2: now? No, hour and a half is great content. I um, thought we made a lot of good points.
1: Yeah. Ty, final thoughts? Yeah, Bobby, like you said, Rome wasn't built in a day, and, and we're coming up on this new era as we transition into the SEC. And I will say that, uh, like you said, Rome wasn't built in a day, and uh, Rome was also built not – it, it was also not built by both Romulus and Remus. Uh, you know, Romulus had to to kill his twin brother, his twin brother Remus, and uh, unfortunately, we had to kill OSU, who Bobby's a known supporter of, uh, in this move to the SEC. But you know, we had to make that decision to to take out that uh that person uh, for our own good. And and once again, Rome wasn't built when both twin brothers were alive. So sometimes you got to cut the fat, and and we've done that. So. Here's to building Rome.
0: That is actually surprisingly poignant when it comes to OU and OSU. We had to, we had to throw them under the bus. We had, we we had to, we, we had to give them the remiss treatment. That's great, um, but yeah. So I'm excited for it. Um, and you know, shout out to you, baseball and softball, for making this offseason like as tiny as possible. Uh, we're about to enter July, which will be just a month of previews. We, we are really stretching this thing out. We're going to do a lot of really cool stuff, maybe a couple tier lists. I, I want to mix in some really solid college football analysis with uh, some really solid random BS that I, I, I truly love doing with y'all. Um, and, yeah, and then we're going to hit the ground running super hard in August with um, training camp hits. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff to come. Uh, Ty has exited stage right I, I don't know if he's coming back, if he has any hat or anything, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we're ready to sign off, uh, and, uh, call it a pod. So, um, Ty rush back to the, uh, to the screen. If you actually do have anything or speak now forever. Oh no, he hit us with the horns up. No, no, it's, it was, oh no, no, we gotta go. We gotta leave this. Uh, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the scooter pod. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you soon. Boomer Sooner. Peace.